0: A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance, United Healthcare Tri-Term medical plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com.
1: I was getting coffee, and I like uh, iced coffee with milk, nothing crazy. And I went to order. You know when you order something and the guy looks at you weird, and you're like, I'm pretty sure he doesn't know what I just said but you're both touching the credit card, so you're just too far into it, and you're like, all right, let's see what he thinks he heard. Uh, And I go to the end of the counter to get my drink, and uh, he gives me milk with ice in it. I had to ask him. I was like, what is that? He's like, it's milk with ice in it. And I was like, do I
0: look like a psycho to you, dude? Hello, and welcome to The Last Laugh. I'm Matt Wilstein from The Daily Beast. This week on the show, we have my interview with the very funny stand-up comic, Nate Bargetzi. Nate has been a touring comedian for a while at this point, but his career really blew up when Netflix included him in its series The Stand-Ups in 2017. Earlier this year, they released his first one-hour special called The Tennessee Kid. When you ask other comedians who they love watching perform, Nate's name comes up a lot. And just a few days before our interview, ABC announced that they are picking up a sitcom pilot he developed with fellow comic Gerard Carmichael. We talk about all of that and a lot more on today's episode. So here's me with Nate Bargetzi. Well, thank you for, for coming in and doing this. Um, yeah. I know the, the sort of big news this past uh, week is that the ABC pilot is, uh, is going forward. So yeah. how did you, uh, how'd you get that news and, and what was that like?
1: uh we uh it was i was told no at one point oh really like this past february i've done a lot of uh where you sold scripts and waiting to see if you're gonna get a pilot and then um uh, they've all been no he, you know you get it's like a long like for networks especially you would usually like pitch july august is when people pitch their ideas and then you get told if you get to write a script And if you write a script, you turn it in December, January, and then uh, you wait to see if you get find out if you can make a pilot. And so, you know, I've done three other ones, and we're always told no. And then this one went. This has been two years. Yeah. Wow. Uh, And we, because we were at Fox, and then we resold it to ABC, and then I got told no in like February that it was like not happening. And, uh, and then it kind of kept just sitting around and the special came out and just uh, a few other things kind of came together and then it kind of, and then it was back on. And so now we're, uh, they called me, uh, they announced it like last week, but they, they, they called me like in, uh, a, I want to say like April and said, like, it looks like it's going to go back. So,
0: and so uh, what's kind of the next step for you now that, that they, that you know that it's, that it's moving forward.
1: Uh, we're doing uh, ca- like casting right now, mm. and uh, so we're we're it's it's putting the cast together and then writing the and probably have to re- you know rewrite some of the script. It's funny because you like ha- write a script and then you it can be so long since you've read the script and then you like go back to it and so you kind of come back into it with some fresh eyes where you're like, you know some of you are like this is terrible, and <laughs> like, yeah, 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 uh, but so it's. Uh, just, you know, getting the casting and all this stuff, which is super fun to just see that be involved, like how you pick like the family and, uh, you know, I mean, these actors are like unreal. I like seeing them come into the auditions. I realize like how bad I am in <laughs> auditioning because they're like professional actors. Like they know the lines and all this stuff. Uh, and like all the auditions I've in, I was like, man, I was never prepared
0: yeah i mean you you've obviously done a ton of stand up but you haven't done a lot of acting right
1: no no uh none the only one i the only thing I've ever done is uh I was on Marin and, and i I played myself yeah and we, i was on uh, we, I did a podcast <laughs> on it so it was it was nothing that i've I've never had to go out of you know I don't think we're gonna be i'm gonna be crying yeah. if this goes like I don't think <laughs> we're gonna keep my whatever emotions I have to show.
0: And it won't be too much of a stretch from from yourself? I mean, do you feel like you, you'll you be playing yourself or sort of a version of yourself? or, or how, will that, how I'm, will that I know
1: work? right now where I'm a stand-up comic and I moved back to Nashville. Oh, okay. Uh, so it's all, it's all exactly based pretty much on my life. My wife in this show would be from California and she's not. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we have her being from California. So we, you know, just... Just to get a different perspective of her moving back to Nashville, and, yeah, yeah, uh, having to deal with like living there, and but we have her; she wants to move. You know, she was fine with moving back and wanted to move back. Our our move to Nashville, uh, and we, you know, we're making like the wife character be. I want the uh, it to be kind of like where you, you could look at it like you don't know whose show it is. Like it could be either one of their shows. So mm. the, like the wife to be very uh, strong and able to handle because she's moving back to. His parents, you know, and has to, she's having to like kind of, everybody's gonna be like, you know, it's my family. So it's just anybody that would have to move back and live with someone's family. So they gotta be, I want her to be very like strong and like, you know, can hold her own and she's not, you know, she doesn't get like overwhelmed with it.
0: And I know you're working with Gerard Carmichael on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, did you get any uh, tips from him? Cause he's, he, he, uh, you know, is a stand-up, who then did a, a sitcom playing a version of himself. So, in terms of the acting, did he? Uh, has he given you any tips in that area?
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, we haven't talked about acting yet, but I'm sure we, we will when they go. And they're like, yeah, you can't do that. I'm, I'm getting an <laughs> acting coach. I'm like, if we're doing it for real, uh, that's why. Luckily, I'm playing myself. I mean, I've learned like I'm not good at auditioning. Or something so it was like I'll just write I need to just write my own thing and like be me mm-hmm. uh, but yes we've learned I've learned a lot from him I mean, he had a show we have his uh showrunner uh, she's showrunning this and uh Danielle and she's unbelievable like she just is, knows what she's doing and uh, it's just fun to you know we went, by, went back and watched Carl Michael's show and you know able to talk to them and see them like learn all this stuff and so yeah Gerard is like He's going to, like, run Hollywood. Yeah. I think he's going to be—I mean, he's already huge, but, like, he's extremely smart, knows, like, shows, knows how to, like, you know, knows, like, old shows and can bring up shows that you would be like, I don't even know what you're talking about. And he just knows what he's doing and knows how to get out. Like, Norman Lear, like,
0: Mm -hmm. I think he'll
1: be like that. Like, he'll just be a guy that can just be in charge. You just want to be in his business. Yeah. Whatever it is, you want to whatever Gerard ask you to do, just be like yeah, yeah. I'll how did you it. end
0: up uh, you know, working with him? How, how did you guys meet in the first place? We
1: met just through stand up, you know, just being comics and being around. Uh and then he called me and, and said like I wanna do uh he wanted to, you know, talk about doing the show like this. And when he when he first called, I was like, I already – since I already did like some of this network shows and they were getting told no. I was like going to take a break where, cause it's, a, it is a very long process. Yeah. And sometimes it's a long process just to get told no. So I was like, I don't know. Uh, and then, but he does, he has something that you're like, I just, you know, he, I don't think he just goes and grabs a hundred projects and just throws them on a wall and see what sticks. There's, you know, there's a reason he wants to do it. And so that's why I liked being with him and, uh, he was a big part of it, like because it's like even when they said no, and then he kept, uh, you know, he still like was fighting for it. Where I think most of the times when you get told no, then it's no, and you move on. And he kind of stuck with it, and so yeah, I mean, yeah.
0: And I know you you're doing it as a, a multicam, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which is the same as uh, the Carmichael show. Yep. Um, is that always how you envision doing it, or is there is are, were there multicam sitcoms that you kind of grew up uh, loving and, and thinking about when you're as you're moving into this? Uh,
1: yeah, I mean, I love you know Seinfeld and Everybody Loves Raymond, King Kings. Uh, those shows are my favorite. Seinfeld's my favorite ever, as is you know most everybody's done. But uh, so like it's funny to see like multicams tend to do good, like, I still watch Seinfeld, mm-hmm. and so they do good in that aspect of it, and so I don't think I, like, you know, it's not like I knew all this stuff about TV, where I was like, it has to be this, I mean, I'm a big fan of The Office, Modern Family, like, those are single cam, so I, you know, you think you like single cam, but, I yeah, I mean, I can see it, uh, Multicam is very fun, too, and I've always heard from friends that have done multicam where they're like, you're like, you know, it's more of it's it's what comics are used to. Like you're performing for a live audience Mm -hmm. and you're reacting. Your timing is based off them. And so it's like at least lends to kind of a similar feeling you have when you do stand up. And supposedly the hours are, that's what everybody tells me, the hours are way better for...
0: That's a good reason to do it. Yeah, yeah, just the
1: hours, just that's the only reason we're doing it. Uh,
0: Four-day weeks. uh. Yeah, it's
1: normal. Yeah, you can live like a regular life. Uh, So, But I I don't know either way of them, so it's not like I come... I mean, I'm coming in like learning a lot of this and just being like... I, I try to listen to a lot of people and let, you know take your ego out of it and just be like yeah i don't know like i'm trusting that i'm with people that are doing it you know we have a uh, drew goddard is directing it and he's a big you know he's a big director that does, like i don't think no one thinks of him as a multicam, but he's a yeah. huge
0: he's he's done some like sci-fi stuff too right
1: oh yeah daredevil lost the aliens, yeah. the martian yeah uh so he and he came on board just he was like a fan and uh met with 20th and yeah and that's how we got hooked up and he's awesome yeah so i i do like uh i like things sometimes being different so i like that we're bringing a guy in that obviously he knows how to like run a show so it doesn't matter mm-hmm. he knows what he's doing but when he comes from that other world for then him to do this multicam is like oh he could really probably bring something to it that would make it seem a little different or stand out or mm-hmm. you know have a different look and So, uh, it's, yeah, I, and I love that. I love, you know, different, I love just different things. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, you mentioned that, you know, you had a few tries at something like this that didn't, didn't work out. Um, I know one of those was with Jimmy Fallon, right? A few, few years ago. So, I mean, obviously, you know, that was, I think that was with NBC, right? Mm -hmm. So you went through a whole process with that. What do you feel like you learned from that process that you are, you know, applying now?
1: Uh, I mean, you learn that they're they're saying no to anybody. <laughs> uh, I mean, there was shows I remember not with me, but like someone, uh, uh, Matt Damon, like produced a show, and then the networks would tell him no. So you do learn that you're like, oh, it doesn't really matter what name you bring in; mm-hmm. they uh, they can still say no. And when I did it with Fallon, uh, you know, he came and like pitched with me and stuff, and Fallon was a great as well and like he was at nbc and doing that i think a lot of it too is like just where my career was then versus now like i think i can bring a like at least i'm bringing a little more to the table than i was where then was very much like you're just bringing this dude in that's a comic and like they don't they didn't really know who i was and Mm -hmm. so i mean he had his hands full trying to get that on yeah Uh, so you, you know it's I don't know, you learn that, I mean, timing, it's like luck, it's like, it's a mix of all of it on how, it's very, very hard to get a show on, how many shows they look at and pitch is, it's unreal, you know, it's like a few hundred, down to like, who gets to write a script is 50, and then like, whose pilot is like, eight, like, it's just the, it's almost impossible to get, to even get to shoot a pilot, and then to get on air is even less than that, so, uh... It's just, you just learn that how hard it is and it's, you know, it's not anything's directed at you or anything. It could be a million reasons why they don't, you know, want, uh, it could be that the networks are not doing multicams right now or they're mm-hmm. not doing single camera right now, or whatever they're doing. So you just learn that, that it's a, it's a crazy process. That's why it's good being a stand-up Cause we at least have, like, I wouldn't, if you were just a straight up actor, I think actors have. It's very tough because you're if you're not creating your own thing, then you're you have to rely on like these other opportunities have to happen. And so with stand up, we at least have, you know, I want to do stand up forever. So you can at least go into it being like, if this doesn't work out, like I still have my thing that I love the most.
0: Coming up, Nate explains how Netflix changed his life. Yeah, I mean I think one of the big things that biggest things that's happened in for you in the time between, you know, maybe some of those old pitches and, and now is uh you were featured in twenty seventeen, the first episode of the stand up series, yeah. which I know you said changed your life. Yeah. Um so can you talk about that? I mean, what was what was that experience like for you and going in, did you did you know that it was gonna be such a, a big game changer? Uh
1: I didn't know. I mean they they were talking about uh when they when they first said something to me about it, uh, they they booked the guy that books uh the stand ups or that books like specials at Netflix, uh which is funny, another thing I learned is like you uh he used to book like Montreal Comedy Festival and uh you never know where anybody's gonna end up. You should be nice to everybody regardless. <laughs> but even like is if i was in the in this business like it's like you doing be nice to everybody because you'd have no idea where that person could end up and like for like he's a, the perfect example where he's now booking netflix and they all you know people just end up in different you'd never know i mean it, we're all in this business uh trying to move up and make it um so when he first brought it up to me about doing the half hour i already did an hour on comedy central and it, when he, he was like doing a half hour, you're like, I don't know, man. Like, I don't want to go. It doesn't seem like you're supposed to go backwards. Like, right. I made it to the hour. Mm-hmm. Shouldn't I stay in the hour? But I knew Netflix was a huge deal, and so stand up was such a big thing on Netflix. So I just thought, you know, I was like, all right. Like, you know, he brought it up to me, and I was like, well, it sounds like, you know, I should do that. You know, I should I shouldn't pass up on this and get introduced. Mm-hmm. Uh, to a bigger audience. And... Yeah, his,
0: his sell to you was kind of like this will this will be exposure that you can't get in any other way? or
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was just like, I mean, he had an idea that, you know, a lot, of, like with stand-up specials, you know, I mean, I did an hour, but, you know, sometimes it's like an hour. People, they want to watch something now. I don't know if they want to watch an hour. I almost think stand-up specials could be 30, 40 minutes long. Mm-hmm. You know, minus like a Chappelle. Like if he hasn't come around in 10 years, then you want uh, what you got from him. Mm-hmm. But if you're if you're putting one out every year or two, it's like it could be a half forty minutes, and that's usually a lot for people. So an hour is about the most. So when he brought up like the half hour, it was like yeah, all right, like and he, they, it was an idea that he had, and uh, I got lucky that I got to be on. I got to be first, which was huge.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm sure because I'm sure a lot of people maybe only watched yours and and, and didn't oh, go any yeah. further. So I'm sure you yours was watched by more people than than the others even
1: yeah I yeah that was uh, that was enormous to be first I mean yeah. that was everything uh, so it's yeah I mean when I when I when I did it I mean you could tell the weekend I was at a club uh in Tacoma Tacoma comedy Club and uh it was the weekend after the special year and there was you know it's like it wasn't like it was like sold out like i was already kind of selling some people were kind of coming where but it was not majority of the crowd wouldn't know who i am but then there was like you know a little less than half would be like all right i think they kind of know who i am Mm -hmm. whether it's a tonight show or whatever it was and then after that stand-ups came out you could just see it was like it was more it was more people that even know you you know and at that time i was still doing some jokes from that stand-ups And when you tell them and you're like, oh, these people know these jokes. So you're like, oh, you have to come up with new jokes. Yeah. Like you can't just do this (laughs) same act. Um, So it was just it was a slow like build and like, you know, it kind of got better.
0: Yeah. uh, So I I had Ron Funches on the on the show a while back and he talked about turning down that uh, that same series that you were on the stand ups because he was, you know, felt like he was ready for an hour and didn't want to do it and I think, you know, he stands by that decision, but it's so, you know, it's so interesting that it did have this effect on your career that that they they said it would and it yeah. actually did. I mean, were you so yeah, were you they kind of they built it up for you, but were you surprised ultimately that that it that it did have such a big effect? Well,
1: you have such you have uh high hopes for it. Like when they're saying it, you're like you, you want it to be like you made the right decision. Yeah. So, uh, it it definitely lived up and beyond. I mean, to have that on there, and like again, and to be first, which is I know was a huge thing. I mean, it's almost like you have your own special. Right. It's like they're looking at it that same way, and it was a different. I, I kind of knew when they were bringing it up to me, it's like, all right, this is their idea. Mm-hmm. So then you're going to get help, too, as fact is they want this to be good, too. Right. It's not like they're just throwing a special up there and they're like, well, we hope it's good, but we they have nothing invested in it. This is an idea that they came up with. So they do root for that idea. And so it's like just putting yourself in the position where you're like, all right, let's hope this goes and becomes what it becomes. And, uh, and fortunately it did. It was, they, you know, it's, yeah, I mean, just so many people saw it and it was, you know, I mean, it really was, it was like having your own special. So I think it was, you know, it was great, you know.
0: And then you did put out an hour with Netflix earlier this year, the Mm -hmm. Tennessee Kid. Um, so how did you kind of, you know, think about that going in now, knowing that it was probably going to be seen by a lot more people than, than maybe the hour that you did on, on Comedy Central?
1: Uh, yeah, way, I mean, way more than, uh, that, uh, <laughs> I can do some old jokes from that yeah. hour from God's, no, well, no, no. everybody's <laughs> like, man, the new stuff's so good. You're like, oh yeah, just pretend like it's new. <laughs> uh, it's, you knew that, uh, I knew it had to be, so the stand-ups did good, and so many people saw it, that I wanted it to be, you know, at least as good as that, like, so you had the pressure of just, I didn't want to put something out that you know then it's like a clear drop off where it's like all right this guy you know was he did his one thing so you want it to be uh as good and you could i mean you know you can tell when you're on the road where you're like just the reactions you're getting you're like all right this you know i mean you kind of know when you're ready to shoot a special cuz uh, because of that you're like all right you're getting to this you're doing an hour every night and it's getting this reaction and then learning how to put it you know the order you put it in the way you talk about it and uh, the way it flows, and you know there, uh you you can, i don't know you can just fill it, and then I just felt it was like it just felt like it was time, and luckily since we only did a half hour before, you know when I'm on the road or you're doing an hour, you're like oh I had like already had some stuff that i already mm-hmm. that I wasn't on the stand ups, and so I was able to you know kind of get a jump start on building that new hour. And so it was able to, you know, I don't know, get be able to get that Tennessee kid out at least quick enough to where you're not forgot about. Mm -hmm. And uh, so it feels like it's kind of close to the last to, you know, the last time they would have seen you. Yeah. Um,
0: You also did some do something in that special that I hadn't seen anyone really do before, which is kind of reference things that you talked about in the in the half hour and kind of give updates on on where, you know, those stories um, and how people have reacted to it and, and all that. Um, so how did you, you know, it's almost like making it bingeable, you know, comedy specials in the sense that you, you're thinking people are going to watch that one and then this one. So how did you decide that that was something that, that you wanted to do? Uh,
1: well, it was, so the, the two things that reference in it, uh, happened, like one being, I talk about, uh, a guy, uh, uh, the, the the Cape Fear Serpentarium, this snake museum, and I talk about it in the stand-ups, and then that guy got murdered
0: by his wife. Uh, Not as a result of your, uh, your bid, yeah, I, I don't, what it don't it was, think. But it was all just that, <laughs> like she had my T-shirt on. <laughs>
1: uh, they No, yeah, it wasn't because of that. But since that happened, it was such a big, that was such a crazy thing mm-hmm. that you're like, well, I think people would you know it's like you you'd want they want to know like mm-hmm. it's because they know that joke and then you're like oh then this happened it's crazy you know and i was getting so many messages about it happening mm-hmm. uh that it was you know it was like almost like you got to say it just so people know that you know so they don't just keep like messaging like thinking you don't know mm-hmm. uh which those have all stopped at least. I'll still get occasionally some, like, you know that guy got murdered and I'm like, Well, this person hasn't watched. <laughs> the, you almost could hour. tell that they yeah. didn't even yeah, maybe they didn't even finish the second hour. Yeah. <laughs> like, well you didn't get to the end of yeah. it, did you? Uh, but yeah, it's it's I thought it was a good idea and I was able I was I was having to tell the joke on the road. At first I could tell the whole story again and then mm-hmm. add it. So then I was like, Well, if I am gonna do this, I need to I can't repeat the joke. So I need to say it. I need to set it up at least in a very quick and funny different way to be able to tell this. And then also with the iced coffee with cream was it was a completely different story. And I was able to tell that story on its own. Mm-hmm. But since I had, you know, it's in my head, you're just thinking like everybody knows I did this iced coffee with milk joke. So if I just do an iced coffee with cream joke and never reference that I had, to, you know, it's going right. to feel like, oh, does he not know that we know that he did the joke? Or that's what I think in my head. I don't know if anybody would care. But if I get it in my head and I think that, I think that they know, like, and then I always have to, like, say it. So I was able to sell, like, you know, it was kind of a way to be able to tell those jokes. And I remember at first when I was telling, I would tell the ice coffee with milk joke from the stand-ups, and then I would do the ice coffee with cream joke. And people don't mind hearing that joke. I mean, now, like, when I'm touring, I'll, like, close on those, both Mm -hmm. of those jokes. And, uh, but I, I knew, I was like, well, I can't, for the special, I can't do that. I can't do that whole joke again, just like with the Cape Fear one. So I was I had to like find a different way to say it, and be able to set it up. So then that ice coffee cream joke, that's its own joke. Like it's, mm. it's it doesn't need to be with it. But I'm just referenced because I did said so some people would message and say they didn't. They were, they thought it was weird if they didn't know those jokes. But I was trying to tell it where like even if you didn't know the standups you could at least, like, get it. Like, you get that, like, I'm referencing something. Yeah, and
0: and you throw in that joke about, you know, if you've been listening, it'll be pretty easy to to catch up.
1: Yeah, yeah, yes. It's not, yeah, I'm not, it's not brain surgery up there. I'm not talking (laughs) about, like, big things. (laughs) It's like, it's not some big story that you have to follow along. It's like you try to set it up to be, you know, like, yeah, if someone doesn't watch it, they can at least be like, yeah, I I, I get it, dude. Like, Mm. you know, I I get what you're doing. (laughs) Like, uh, it's not this crazy thing.
0: Yeah, um, I love the, uh, the opening joke of your uh, hour special um, about being, you know, with your shirt off and getting mistaken for, for an elderly woman.
1: I tried to, uh, I'm always like trying to lose weight. I had a thing that happened that I do, it was like, I gotta get it together. I go to the trunk of my car and I'm, I take my shirt off, standing there, no shirt. And this old man walks up and goes, Olivia? And a turn, I was like, I'm sorry, What's what's, what's you say? I'm, so, I'm sorry. And he was like, oh, sorry, honest mistake. And I was like, I don't know. He was looking for his elderly wife and saw me with no shirt on and thought that could be Olivia at a car that he does not recognize. I don't know who he disrespected more, me or Olivia. To be honest, I mean, we could both have a word with him.
0: And I think it, it's sort of emblematic of a lot of the jokes in in your comedy um, are pretty self deprecating. Yeah. Um. Either about that or saying you know you say you barely finished high school and all that. So how have you has that always been sort of a, a theme of your of your comedy? Do you think? And and how do you how do you think about that?
1: Uh. Well. With that guy that called me Olivia, uh, <laughs> when that happened. I asked someone, someone else was standing over there, and I was like, did that guy just call me Olivia? <laughs> and they were like, yeah, I don't know why I did it. Like, they were, like, felt bad. And I remember, I told the person, I was like, that's the greatest thing that's ever happened to me in my life. Like, <laughs> and I opened with it that night. That was a new joke. That was, like, maybe two months old. Oh, really? Right. Uh, but it was like, sometimes you get jokes like that where it's like, I can just say exactly what happened, mm. and it's going to get a big laugh. I like making fun of myself. Uh... I I've never been a big fan of like I don't want to I have no desire to offend someone like I just don't like care like it's just not what like motivates me. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people like to push buttons, and uh, I'm I I just want to like just everybody have a good time and like not <laughs> be a problem. You're
0: not doing any roasts or uh... yeah like <laughs> I, I,
1: yeah, had stuff that seems very mean and I and I, that stuff's very funny like I I'm I'm, I'm bored with it. Mm-hmm. Do whatever you want to go do. Uh, But I like doing this aspect of it where I always think, like, I'll make fun of me instead of making fun of you. And then Mm -hmm. you can either laugh with me or you can laugh at me. Like, you're either laughing because you're like me or you think that I'm ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And that's – I know a lot of times when women – I've had women come to the show where they'll just be, like, three wives. And I think they're coming because they're either I'm their husband or they're my wife or Mm -hmm. whatever it is, they're relating to it in some way. And that, to me, like, that's just, that's the way I feel comfortable doing it. Just so it's not, I didn't like embarrassing someone is like, uh, I just have no desire. Like it's, I think it's the meanest thing you can mm-hmm. do. And, uh, so like, I never want to like, just, you know, I mean, I know you sometimes stuff happens and some people want to be made fun of. Uh, but I was like, I'll just be made fun of. Mm-hmm. And then, so if everything kind of comes out through that, and then, however someone takes it is how they can take it,
0: yeah, I've heard a lot of comedians, and I think it's kind of become a cliche to say that they you know like growing up they would make fun of themselves, so before someone else could yeah could make fun of them. Does that ring true to you, or yeah,
1: yeah, that's very much. I mean, you want to you know I, mean, I have a daughter, and like I always think like to tell her I mean she's sick, so it's not like we're going through it right now, but I always think like I'm gonna tell her, like it's like just make fun of you like. I mean something like it's like a eight mile and Eminem like does it where he makes fun of himself mm-hmm. and it's like you take away everything that's when you're like, Yeah, you can make fun of yourself and it's uh it's funny. You gotta learn how to do it though. When I 'cause you can do it and people can be sad, which is not what you want. <laughs> as a comedian. Yeah, as a comedian they're like, Oh god. Uh I remember doing wife jokes but sometimes we'd be making of fun of our relationship, but I remember making fun of uh I do wife jokes early on, and people would, you know, they could feel like, well, why are you married? It seems like you hate her. And you're like, well, that's (laughs) not what you're supposed to feel. Yeah. You shouldn't be feeling that I hate. Like, that's, it's just about being in a relationship and it's the frustrations of whatever that relationship would be. So you, uh, you gotta learn how to like say it like in a way where they don't think that. Mm -hmm. And they, and I don't want them to think that. And, uh, you know, like I remember I would maybe have too many jokes about my wife mm-hmm. and then uh, or like on her where she's the bad one. Yeah. And so then I was like, well, I need to be the I need to make myself the bad one. Right. Anymore. Can you can
0: you think of an example of one that you did that you think made people sad?
1: Uh, I mean, it was a long time ago, uh, but an old joke I had about I don't remember the. I don't you know some of it like i would like, i i do jokes about me not knowing bank stuff, and like i would my wife would have to uh like i don't like if she died I would know I'd have to like go to her mom and be like, do you know any of the passwords and like I just know nothing about yeah and so it's like that like that aspect is like you know putting where she's the smart one in the mm-hmm. family and she knows yeah. everything and uh I had one about her ex, seeing her seeing her ex boyfriend and uh it's it's just making I don't know I don't it's I don't know it's just where you're like the one that's like the butt of the joke, mm-hmm. and instead of just being like, my wife is doing I I forget what the old joke but it's like whatever if I'm blaming her for something if it's mm-hmm. like here she's wrong in this scenario, it's like you just have to make yourself wrong in the scenario and then that e- kind of evens it out and then once it evens it out it becomes then everybody can be like oh this is just like a this is a relationship this is my relationship this is. Whatever it is.
0: What does your wife think when you, about you, know, you making jokes about her? Is she cool with it? Or uh, does she ever say, you know, hey, maybe, maybe stay away from that area? Or? <laughs> uh,
1: she left me a couple of years ago. Now I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> That's how she took it. I'm, uh, I'm married as well. And uh, my wife always tells me that I don't like the way she talks. And it's not her voice. I like the sound of her voice. That would be a big problem, I think, if it was like, it's your voice. I just hate it to go to couples therapy and be like, can you hear it right? Like, it's not, you know, it's not fun. It's the information that she chooses to tell me at times. We took a trip uh, to Fort Lauderdale, and her and our daughter are flying from Nashville, where we live, and I was flying from Detroit. We're meeting at Fort Lauderdale's airport. I have to find them when they land. So I called her because I was about to take off, and I was like, all right, what time do you guys leave? And she goes, noon. It's 11.30, and they're still at home. I was like, Laura, I don't know if you even know what an airport is.
0: Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you.
1: I mean, but if that plane was in our driveway, I don't think you could make it. (laughs) She said, that's what time we leave for the airport. Our flight's not till 1.30. And I was like, all right, okay. So what, like, what do you think I wanted to know when I asked that? (laughs) She does, she's very good. She's a very good sport and Mm -hmm. uh, very, you know, Obviously, like supportive. I mean, it's going good, mm-hmm. which is also a huge help. If I yeah. was like nowhere, <laughs> then it could be like, all right, like this isn't working. Yeah. So she's been very, very supportive of it, and uh, very open about. She's really good at making herself laugh and uh, laughing at things, and you know. And I'll tell her like if it's something like that. I've had it with my daughter where she, I don't want her ever heard to like think. You know, we've talked about. She If she doesn't want me to say something on stage about, like, you know, I haven't really done anything too much about her. Mm-hmm. It's a, in general about kids, but it's like, I mean, I use her, but it's not like she does anything that's crazy. But I, you know, I've had her say it where my, you know, daughter, I, but I tell her, I was like, I will never talk about anything that you would never want me to talk about. Like, I'd mm-hmm. I, like, you know, I try to like overly tell her that, like, don't think that you cannot come to me as your dad because you right. think I'm going to go say something. Yeah, that would
0: be bad. That
1: would be bad. Like, I never talk to her. Like, I have no <laughs> relation with my daughter because she's like... Though every time I do, I'm just talking about it on stage. Uh,
0: what, about the, what about the rest of your family? I know you have a, a long bit about a, a family wedding... Um, that has some some characters in it that uh, yeah, I could Tuesday. imagine uh, might might not be thrilled with some oh, of those stories. We'll... They loved it. Oh yeah. Oh
1: yeah. I mean, look <laughs> at that wedding. Those are people that would love it. Like that's they're uh, Tuesdays the best. I mean, that's your cousin Tuesday. It's My cousin Tuesday that I was married, and then my uncle Mike who had a picture, uh, which I show his picture at the end of the special, with his shirt off you know I mean took a picture with wearing a tux with no shirt on like so it's like they're very fun yeah and they're very like aware of like what they're what's happening and it's a you know it's a good time so I I mean I asked my dad like I made sure even before I told that joke I mean again where I go back to where I don't want anybody to be mad I don't need the joke as much as I need you to be like your feelings get hurt that I'm telling this joke so I I really made sure that they were like okay with it and they're you know, they're super fun. Like, they're they're just like, yeah, it's uh, it's funny. It's hilarious. Like, you know, they have no, – so they were uh, wonderful about it and, like, love Because we had to get – we showed the picture of uh, my uncle. Like, I mean, they have to – he has to sign something to say that we could do it. Mm-hmm. And uh, he signed it. They sent – I think they're the ones that sent me the picture. Uh, <laughs> they just – you know, it's just being – the same way I want to make fun of myself – they, are, they were like that, and they want to make fun. So it was very, like, nice, you know. And I think if, when you tell jokes in a way uh, where you're not making fun of someone, where you're trying to be like, hey, I'm making fun of myself the whole time, too. Like, we're just trying to be fun, and it's having fun. And uh, you're not doing it to this, like, look at these losers. You know, it's, like, coming from a place of, like, yeah, it was a crazy wedding. Like, but everybody lives different lives, and that's, that's what's fun.
0: Um, so I want to back up a little bit uh, and and talk about how you got started in, in all of this. Um, you You started your comedy career in Chicago, right? And yeah, is, and was that sort of the first time that you that you got on stage was in Chicago?
1: It was the very first. I moved with a buddy that wanted I kind of thought I wanted to do stand up and uh, he wanted to go to second city in Chicago, and so I just said, you know I, I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll do that. I was twenty one or twenty two when we first started talking about that, and I started just trying to save up some money, delivered pizzas. Uh, which was a fun, uh, it I was fun to deliver pizzas. Uh, I had a guy made me go buy beer once because they were drinking at their house. And he's like, I'll just give you some extra money if you go to the store and buy me beer. And they were was, underage? or uh, No, no. He, they was, were lazy. he was an old man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was just like we shouldn't drive because we were already uh, drunk. Yeah. And I was like, all right. Uh, but so I saved us some money. We moved to Chicago. And then I did some Second City classes. I did this comedy class called Comedy College uh, with Jim Roth and uh because I wanted to do – I did improv, and I just remember, like, improv was like – I like improv, but I, I don't know, I didn't like uh, – I wanted to be in control of where the joke goes. Yeah. With improv, you're not. And so I, I was like, well, I think I want to do stand-up. So I took this other class, and I don't think you have to take classes for stand-up, but it is nice. Like, it, it's very uh, daunting. Like, it's very overwhelming to, like, yeah. go start stand-up. So you're at least – when you take a class, you are with other people still – that are all in the same position you're in. And um, so I did that. And, I mean, and then I would just do open mics. And I was in Chicago with, like, you know, Pete Holmes, Kumail, Ajani, uh, Hannibal Burris, T.J. Miller, like, all this. There's a lot of people yeah. in Chicago starting. And then we moved, and then I moved. Uh, I was there for a couple years and then moved to New York. I, I started with Pete Holmes. Like, his show, HBO Crashing, is how uh, I barked at that. He got me barking at that comedy club. Mm-hmm. And, uh doing that whole process and then you know and new york was where you really like learn to uh, what you're doing you're just watching you know i'd watch Chappelle go up in front of four people uh and this was he was doing a Chappelle show yeah and you'd just be sitting in the back and you're just watching how he you know you're just learning from so many comics it's unreal
0: what did what did you learn from watching Chappelle?
1: Uh I mean, just i mean his comfortableness was how conversational i think me being conversational was a big him uh patrice O'Neill, who passed what like uh bill Burr like I would see those guys you know I went to their patrice and burr's h b o one night taping h mm-hmm. b o one night stand and uh so like I got to see them be you know ten year comics or and seeing i remember them talking about being conversational and it was it was just you know it was like talking about like not writing like you know like seinfeld writes like word for word what Mm -hmm. he's going to say and so they did it and uh and when they don't it kind of helps it be a little conversational like you're saying little words different you're not saying the the words that matter different but you're saying maybe some ands and these and just kind of changes the rhythm up a little bit and helps it be a little more where it sounds like you're just talking to the audience. And so learning to see them do that, I mean, see Chappelle do that. See Chappelle going up, he's on, show shows the biggest show on earth and he's performing in front of six people. And so seeing the fact that he wants to be in front of those six people Mm -hmm. and he loved it. And so when you see that, you're like, all right, like this is the effort it takes to be great. It's like this dude's taping a show that's the biggest show on earth and then still coming here. I remember he'd come to the show and, he, like, he would have makeup still on behind <laughs> his ears. Uh, so seeing that aspect of and seeing them run around and going up every night and going up multiple times. Uh, being I remember uh, I did some open mics with the Z's and, Sar, like, and he was, like, doing open mics with us. And then he was, like, hosting the MTV Movie Awards. like It was, like, very yeah. quickly. So it was even seeing, I'm a big, it's good to see at least a path of Mm -hmm. someone making it. Because if you're not in like a city where people are making it, it feels like, well, I can't make it. Like those guys are famous and he's in New York. That's why, you know. But when you're in New York and you're like, oh, that guy was at this open mic and now he's doing that. So like something, there's a way to do this. And I'm in the, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm at least in the city where. That is happening. Amy Schumer, you know, I was friends with her. I'm friends with her. Like, we were starting at the same. And then she was just, you know, I remember her first when she did Howard Stern first. And I was walking with her afterwards. And, uh, I was, you know, I was telling her, I was like, her John Stern it was great. And she's like, oh, that was good. I was, she's like, I was nervous, you know. Yeah. And then it was just like she's the most famous person yeah. on earth
0: so you would you would see that in a you know in a positive way because i think a lot of people would you know see their friends blow up and, and maybe get a little jealous but you didn't Oh did yeah. you, did well, you feel you that do. too
1: yeah yeah you have your yeah you're bitter with every like how did everybody <laughs> get everything how did yeah. amy get it no i'm just <laughs> no you but you you look at it as i when people get like uh i think it's if you're going to be bitter or like get like that competitiveness it's like be around the level be better and competitive around the level that you're at Mm -hmm. like it's insane once someone makes it to this crazy level if they're still like can you believe that how did they get that you're like dude they're so famous like it's like they're gone it's gone Mm -hmm. so like be like happy you should be happy too that Stand-up is, like, doing good. Mm-hmm. People are liking stand-up. It's good to see these people get uh, this. Like, learning, that thing, but so you just keep your head down and just kind of try to do you. I am on board with complaining. I think everybody <laughs> should complain. I think you should, uh, you should get mad that, you know, are you get like, that's the stuff that should drive you to be like, why did they get that? I should get that. Yeah. I should get that chance. And you're like, well, they did something, so go figure out whatever that thing is and then go do that. Don't, you know, people can get too bitter, and then, I mean, that's like a very, you can go find a bitter comedian anywhere, um, but they get too where they don't think they have a, you know, it's not fair. I remember someone telling me once too, like, like if you're you're talented, like, if you have it, like, you will get a chance. Mm -hmm. And then a lot of times, if someone's super funny, and they haven't made it, there's usually a reason. Like, there's, if you really go down and, like, Hunt and find the reason they're a problem, mm-hmm. they've done something like it's not just like no one ever looked at them and they never got a chance. Yeah, it's usually something happened, and you can usually get to the bottom of it, you can usually figure it out like, all right, they did this, they were a nightmare, and mm-hmm. so that's why people just didn't want to work with them. Yeah, uh, so yeah, it was you know, yeah, but I am on board with complaining. <laughs> so if you're starting in anything. I think complaining is good because I think it's... But you just complain in a very tight circle. Mm-hmm. Don't, you know, get three friends and you three get it all out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then don't, you know, but just don't be walking into clubs and just yelling at about, why is that guy on stage? You know, <laughs> that's when you become a problem.
0: Yeah. Uh, I mean, if if your, your sitcom blows up, I mean, you could, you could get a lot more famous than you are now. Do you think about that? Or do you have, you know trepidation about worried about that uh, uh or, yeah or excited a, about it yeah. i mean <laughs> I could go backwards i fall yeah, back yeah
1: it go either way right now <laughs>
0: you're, at a, you're at a comfortable level of uh at of fame, fame now right where you're not getting you know harassed i imagine
1: no no uh i i talk about that in my new stand-up on tour like i get uh it's not a problem at all <laughs> like i go <laughs> and i uh i say it on stage uh but i i'd say like because people it, it happens like I can usually go like it's every week now. Like something will someone will say something or mm-hmm. like come up and get a picture and where before you know it was you know once a month mm-hmm. But now it's like you know and it's it's very nice. I would say like I like I love taking a picture. It's very you know I'm very appreciative. It's not where I I, I can't even believe it's still happening. Uh, but I always want when those people leave, I didn't have to tell like ten people who I am. Because people see it and they're just like, "What was that? Why did you? Why did they do that?" Like yeah. they don't—they yeah. have no yeah. idea. <laughs> and then I'm like, and I'll tell them I'm a comedian. They're like, "I've never heard of you." And you're like, "All right, I
0: wasn't asking. Like, who's <laughs> heard of me?" Or do you get people who who recognize you but think it's because they know you?
1: Yeah, they can. I, I you can tell because they look at you. And then you can usually see them they're they immediately go to their phone, oh, <laughs> and then they're you can tell that they're looking you like they're trying to because it is like they're, they're like, trying to why? figure it out why is that guy you know and I've done it yeah, yeah I know because I've done it, yeah uh so you can use you can usually feel it when they uh when someone's like, but sometimes it, it there's no reason to it, There would just be like. You know, they're like, Hey, where did you is that I have that same jacket? Like like, but I'm going into it like, here we go. Like I'm with a friend, like just trying to like it's all happening. Yeah. Like I'm like I'm Brad Pitt. I'm like, Yeah. Sorry, let me just talk to this person real fast and they're like, Hey, I have that jacket. You're like, Okay. Like you have toilet paper on your shoot. I appreciate it. Hey, do you mind if we just take a picture so I look cool in front of my friends? Uh so yeah, it's not, you know, it's not a problem. Yeah, I don't know. It's a weird uh yeah, we're at the at a at a at a fun point. I'm trying to take it all in and uh, try to be very in the moment of mm-hmm. uh, everything that's happening, and uh, you know, just enjoy uh, the process. Yeah, if the show goes and the show becomes big. I mean, yeah, I think you go to like a, a different level, and you know, but I, you know, I mean, I'm glad to, you know, I'm 40, so uh, I've been doing this for a long time, and you know, it's I don't think I'm I shouldn't be thrown into the pressures of. I think when people make it when they're 20,
0: I mean, I, I'd probably be dead. Yeah, you're not going to pull a Justin Bieber and uh Oh, no. Go, go I, uh,
1: comedian Julian <laughs> McCullough used to have this great joke where he's like, they would make fun of Britney Spears. This is an old joke. But, like, when Britney Spears was famous since she was young. And like, they would make you know, be like, she's, like, crazy. You're like, yeah, if you gave me millions of dollars when I was 18, he's like, I'd be dead. Yeah. Like, you know, it's like, and so you realize that, like, when – A, the older you get, when you're 40, you realize how young 23 is, Mm -hmm. 25, 26. Like, you realize that you're like, man, it's so young. And so, yeah, when these people make it very young, it can sometimes – it can be not good because you're just – you don't know how to handle anything. And so, luckily, I waited. That's the only reason I didn't make it earlier. <laughs> I chose. They asked me. <laughs>
0: no, I'd rather wait till I'm in my forties, like, no, please. <laughs>
1: you know what? They're like, you sure, we can make you famous tomorrow. I was like, I just, I'm fine waiting.
0: <laughs> like it's my choice. Coming up, Nate shares what it was like to tour with Jimmy Fallon on the Clean Cut Comedy Tour. So, before we start to wrap up here, what I what I like to do is kind of go through some some big moments in your uh, career and just. Kind of throw out the first, um, you know, You're going story to just have or one thing on yeah. here. <laughs> it's, just, it's this pilot, <laughs> uh, some a story or, or a memory that it comes to mind. Uh, so, I mean, one is just going all the way back. the The first time that you got on stage to do stand up at, at an open mic, uh,
1: it was a part of that class, mm-hmm. uh, and it was like the graduation show. And uh, they're usually good. Usually, your first time is good because you bring friends and they're supportive. And it's the it's the times after that you got to get through. Uh, I have it on tape, uh, a VHS tape. Oh wow! And uh, I don't I think I couldn't watch it now. Uh, I had a chin beard for some reason. <laughs> I I think uh, you know I regret that. Yeah, I had one of those once too. Yeah, but there was a time where it was like that was what you did. Yeah. Uh, I so I the first time yeah I remember the first time doing I, I mean I just remember being you're just sick to your stomach. I remember I wanted the building to burn down so I could at least be like, well, I tried to go, but the building burned down. It's a sign. Yeah, it's like, what do you want me to do? I'm trying to do this. But, I mean, you would just be, like, all day, you would just be sick. You would yeah. just be sick to your stomach. And uh, I remember that feeling of just, and that, that, that's there for, I mean, the first couple of years, you just are like, you don't want to go. And that's again why I was happy. At least with the classic, I was like, "Well, I have to go to this thing." Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I remember yeah that.
0: Um, and then uh, your your late night stand up debut. Uh, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe it was on Late Night with Conan O'Brien mm-hmm. in 2008. Yeah, what do you remember about about that? So
1: I tell this story in my stand-up as well. And I'm, oh, okay. I'm just saying that just so... <laughs> so
0: it's not like you're passing off material. Yeah, not passing off material
1: and uh, if you come see me live, you're not like, <laughs> oh, here's this guy. Uh, but so the first time I did it, uh, they said they were picking you up in a limo, which is in New York, uh, throws the word limo around pretty loosely. <laughs> it was just a regular car. Uh, so my wife was with me, and we pull up in front of 30 Rock, and uh, right when we pull up, uh, there's like pop rock. There's like people taking pictures of the celebrities. They're going in to 30 rock And so they all come to the door. This,
0: this must be someone. Yeah,
1: it's gotta be you know <laughs> The as I say it like they're like because they don't know who's in the car But I do know who's in the car and I know that they don't know who's in the car And so I was like, oh man, this is not gonna be good. I just knew it like I was like this isn't good and I open the door, and right when I open it, uh, one of the guys just goes, "All right, it's nobody, it's nobody," and just <laughs> they all walk away. <laughs> and that was my first late night appearance, was just getting yelled, just getting told I'm nobody, <laughs> and then going in and taping the show. Um,
0: a couple years later, uh, you appeared on uh, WTF with Mark Marin and I know he's he's been a, a fan of yours yeah. uh, before before and since. So, what what was that uh, experience like uh, doing his podcast?
1: Uh, a huge moment uh in my career. That was a big, you know, that was like a I, I would start having people come out to shows because they mm-hmm. they they heard me on that. And uh I was at a uh, uh laugh fest in uh Michigan, Grand Rapids, Michigan. And we were doing a contest, there's a lot of comics on it. And so I knew Marin a little bit of, because of New York when I was there. But, he, you know, he's an older comic, and so I would see him come in and never talk to him a ton. But uh, we hung out uh, that weekend. He uh, saw one of my sets, and then he uh, I got off the phone. I'm a big Vanderbilt University fan, did not go there. Uh, so Vanderbilt was in the NCAA tournament. Was March Madness. And they just lost to Wisconsin. I remember. <laughs> and then uh, I remember I got off stage, and my phone was like blowing up. And at first, I was like, "I was like, is it like because Vanderbilt lost? <laughs> like people are just sticking it to me." And I had no idea. And then I realized, like, he just tweeted something about me. Yeah. And uh, you know, and it was, and it was just like the response. Like it was, it was almost like back when, like that would really like Twitter was still like kind of a newer thing mm-hmm. and so that like people like whatever you did you remember how easy it used to get retweets like retweet, <laughs> yeah. like it used to matter yeah now, it's now just, there's just too much stuff out it's there it's just too yeah. much stuff so it's not the same but it was back when it did matter and so he tweeted something very nice about me they like my stand up and then uh, the, my phone's blown up for that reason like i was just had all these like uh twitter responses and my, getting these emails and like text and And it was just a a very crazy thing that I was like, that's unbelievable. And then, you know, I ended up going and doing the show. And, uh, yeah, I mean, a huge uh, – that dude, something that he could probably think that wasn't that big of a deal just to tweet Mm -hmm. something nice was an enormous, enormous deal.
0: Yeah. Yeah um and then we mentioned uh, Jimmy Fallon earlier you toured with him on the the clean cut comedy tour i mm-hmm. i didn't get to see that but uh but what what was that like touring around with with Jimmy uh
1: so how i met him real fast is uh, there's comedy club in new york called the stand and i was down there uh with some friends and he randomly walked in one night and then so i talked to him and he was hanging out and he stayed and watched his show and uh he left after i went up and I never, I just figured I met him, mm-hmm. like, that was cool, and then we ended up talking about, were we were talking about developing those shows, I started doing just, you know, now I only do, like, Fallon, and uh, so that, like, built that relationship, and he and he wanted to go on tour right when he was changing from uh, Late Night to Tonight Show, right? Right. and so he, he was having to go around the country to, like, promote that, and so he thought about, like, doing this tour, and then we had Nick Thune, Julian McCullough, and Seth Herzog also, and so we all went and did these theaters with Fallon and... Uh, it was very fun just to hang out found. You also learn like how famous like that guy is. Yeah. And, uh, it is neat to see that fame where you go, you know, like I, you do like you, there's like these check marks where you like to think like, I mean, all of us can think like, well, I'm doing pretty good. And you're like, it's not even close. Like, yeah, it, the difference is bananas. <laughs> like of what the, that level of is fame there, is. is
0: there, was there a moment when you realized that or how did you kind of, uh, just, realize that?
1: I think when everywhere he walks in, everybody knows him. Like, imagine mm-hmm. going into any store you yeah. walk into, and you walk in, and you know 100% everybody knows who you are. <laughs> and I think it's like how you – but then how you handle it is different, too. Mm-hmm. Like, you got to, like – you know, you got to walk – everywhere you walk in it's like you're a mayor. And, like, you're just like, hey. You're just, yeah. like, talking to everybody. You control the situation. Uh, I heard one – this is separate – Someone, I don't know if it's even true or not, but someone told me, like, George Clooney will—if uh, he sees that you notice him, he'll just go up and meet you real fast mm. and be like, hey, how are you doing, George? And you're, like, so taken back that yeah. he's doing that that you don't even really ask for a pic Like, you kind of, like, he moves on, and you're like—because you just can't believe that he came up yeah, and introduced he in, himself. Yeah, instead of the other way around. He's controlling the situation, <laughs> Yeah, which is very—I do that now, and people are still like, I don't—they're like, could you leave me alone? <laughs> <laughs> uh but any, so it's like, yes, I think seeing, you know, just seeing people wait for him afterwards and mm. like uh, outside the, for, I mean, it's just, it's in it's insane. We went to one bar once. Like he only went out this once in the last date and went out for, he was out there for, it was like 30 minutes. And I mean, just when he walks into the place, it's just, uh, it's complete chaos and it's, he can sit down and then it's just, all it is is just people trying to get, you can just feel it like, you know. I, he was very nice and talked to me. He told me, he's like, just sit next to me. So like, if it gets too crazy. And I was like, all right, I'll be like his in between. You're, you're his and
0: bodyguard. I
1: was his bodyguard. But then he <laughs> kept just meeting. Then they, someone would come over and he's like, oh, how are you doing? Nice. He's like very nice. Yeah. And I'm like, hey, you're not letting me do my job that you told me to do. I'm going <laughs> to stand here. Uh, but he's just that good of a guy.
0: Um, and then finally, uh, I know you performed for troops in Iraq and Kuwait. Uh, mm-hmm. So are there any, you know, stories that, that stand out from, from that experience?
1: Uh, yeah, it's – it's. I mean, it was insane to go to, you know, Baghdad and, like, you're just going to these places that you can't, like, just f- go Priceline mm-hmm. Baghdad. Yeah. Like, uh, and so it was very neat to go do that. I mean, those, you know, you real again, like you talk about like young, you realize how young, like mm-hmm. when you meet those, all the soldiers and you're like, man, you're so young. And uh, there was a guy named Scott Kennedy who was a comedian who's passed away, but he would do this tour where he would go, he would go once a month, basically. Wow. And uh, he was just on this crazy schedule. But he would always go, specifically go to want to go to, like, FOBs, these forward operating bases. Mm-hmm. And they were always in the middle of nowhere. And it was places where those guys are not getting entertainment. Like, if you're in Kuwait at the main base, like, a lot of people go to Kuwait. Or even in Baghdad, like, Camp Liberty, like, the big one, people do go there. Mm-hmm. So we would go to these small ones. And, I mean, we stayed at Saddam Hussein's Palace and all that kind of what stuff. What was that like? It's crazy. It's, like, a lot of it's a lot of... Uh, he would make the gold, like he would just, a lot of it was painted gold. Mm. So it wasn't real gold. And he had a bunch of different palaces. And so he would do it like that. So it just looked, it was almost like a very, like saving money. You're like, he was very, <laughs> he was very good about saving very money. Very smart. <laughs> well, people don't know Saddam, very, very frugal. Say, say uh, what you will uh, yeah. about it. <laughs> yeah, say what you want. I get it. But the guy was, he would save a penny. Uh, <laughs> but he, uh, he would like have the so like you would see he'd have all this stuff I and mean, he had like uh, lions and stuff I think in his like palace and like uh, so it was to go there we did one uh, time we drove uh, we did like a convoy and we drove through the streets of back, because we were going to these small bases and you you would get to fly in like Blackhawks uh, but if it's a sandstorm or something they couldn't fly. And the first, like, three times I went, there was always sandstorms. So everybody was like, did you fly in a black—like, are you—all these helicopters? And I was like, I just never got—I was like, how am I not getting to get in one of these? Yeah. And uh, so I uh, finally—so this one time we did a convoy. And the only time I ever felt like you were like, oh, man, this is real—like, we—I remember we left the green zone, which is Camp Liberty, like, and then we were in, like, the red zone. And so now you're just on the streets. Mm-hmm. And uh, so then when they drive through the streets, you're just like you get in these MRAP tanks and there's like three of them. And then you're in it. And then like just hearing like the soldiers, like guns, like they're, they go. And uh, it was like it was a very real moment where you're like, oh, man, like you're it's happening. And like they have to look at everything for IEDs like they're looking at mm-hmm. just like, you know, if there's a brick on the side of the road or there's a trash bag on the side of the road and you're just driving through these driving, you know, but it was very neat to like, you know, I mean, that's, that's a place that's like, and the people that live there, it's, I mean, it's another planet. Like they, Mm -hmm. they have to grow up, their lives are unreal different than what we have to, what they have to deal with and put up with. So you're getting to see them like just, you know, they're driving around at least like, even though you're in these tanks, you're you're driving you you know it's not just flying above it's like you're on the street mm-hmm. i remember we went down a wrong way and just like the wrong way we went down and you just you, i mean your heart's just like racing cause yeah you're just like i don't know what's going to happen like uh you know but nothing i mean nothing happened and uh it was a it was a very very you know surreal experience to get to go do that
0: yeah Um, So and then the last thing um, I like to end by getting a kind of a recommendation of sorts for for listeners. So um, if you can think of what the last thing uh, that made you laugh really hard, a movie or a TV show or maybe someone doing stand up or just something that that made you laugh uh, recently.
1: Man, what made me laugh? (laughs) That's it's, do people have trouble with it like sometimes
0: i mean a lot of comedians will say, uh you know, actually, I don't really like comedy uh yeah <laughs> or they, yeah, they do. only watch drama and stuff like that um but um, uh but yeah, anything I watch
1: a lot yeah, I do watch i mean I'm going uh you know what I'm going back through cheers, yeah, and uh I never watched cheers, I mean, I was born in seventy nine so I, cheers I think was around then. And so I, you know, I wouldn't be able to watch it. And so then we were doing this pilot. uh, Cheers has the best pilot. Yeah. And, uh, or I was always told that they have the best pilot. So I'm going back and just trying to, like, watch it. And it's typical when you go back, like, sometimes you go watch old Seinfeld's, like, the first seasons are very hard to watch. It just looks Mm -hmm. so different. Yeah. And it's just the tone's a little different. The tone's different, yeah. yeah. So uh, I started going back through Cheers and some, uh, uh, in the cheers episode the the coach if you may have seen the coach character uh he worked at the bar and he's just kind of a very like dumb guy aloof guy like and the thing that made me laugh really hard on it was uh he answers the phone and it's goes like oh and it's one of his buddies is having surgery and he's like uh he's like oh how you doing man he goes look i, I didn't want to tell you this but i knew i was very nervous when you were gonna have the surgery i didn't think uh you know, this is a tough surgery, and I didn't think you were going to make it out of it, so I'm so glad that you did. And he stops, and he's like, what's that? Here's all the surgery's tomorrow. He's like, dude, it's going to be great, man. He's like, don't – I wouldn't even worry about it at all. And – uh I rewound that a couple of times. Like yeah. It was such a funny, like, I mean, he's so, like, just telling the guy, like, it's going to be okay. And then just like, what? Oh, surgery's tomorrow? Oh, dude, don't even worry about it, man. It's going to be fine. This is a breeze.
0: And since you, you know, since we've talked about Seinfeld, uh, do you have a favorite Seinfeld uh, episode or moment or, or anything? A ton of them.
1: The seat was angry that day, my friends, uh, <laughs> is one of my favorite where he hits the, he's got the s- golf ball. 600 Tylus in the back of his truck. And he goes and hits them the golf ball in there. I'm a big, uh, one of my favorite episodes is not, a lot of people at the contest is usually, uh, and, and, uh, the, the boat, uh, Andrea, uh, I, I can't think of The but, Andrea Dora? Andrea Dora. That's, uh, that's my favorite episode as a whole. Like, I go back through them, and it's just, like, the, the sea is angry that day, my friends, which is a very famous speech that mm-hmm. they I'm, that like, whole. Like,
0: an old man ordering soup. soup yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: and everyone's like, all right, uh, <laughs> the big beast the man the fish and he's like it's a mammal uh that speech that episode i'm not is, i don't think an unreal episode but that that's that storyline mm-hmm. is uh, through it's unreal and then andrea uh, andrea doria uh that episode is like my favorite so the, the tales of Costanza, mm-hmm. where he goes and breaks it all yeah. down and he's just like the guy's giving this big speech you know and the one of my favorite lines in that was uh when george finds out that it was a cruise ship that like took a long time to go down and he's like i mean how many people die on a normal cruise 30 40 like, <laughs> the idea that just 30 to 40 people die regularly on cruises yeah. is such a funny line and that's my uh, that's my favorite sign i'm an enormous
0: seinfeld fan yeah uh well thank you so much for uh, for doing this today Yeah,
1: man i really appreciate it
0: thank you again to nate Bargatze for taking the time to chat with me today You can check out his most recent special, The Tennessee Kid, on Netflix now and find his tour dates at natebargetzi.com. If you enjoy the show, please tell your friends and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. You can find me on Twitter at Matt Wilstein and at thedailybeast.com. The Last Laugh is distributed by Himalaya Media for The Daily Beast. It is produced by Jason Smith for Starburns Audio and Scott Porch for Himalaya Media and edited by Mackenzie Mazzell. Our theme music is by Claude, who you can find on Instagram at claude.mp3. You can find the show every week on Apple Podcasts, the Himalaya app, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And you can find show notes and highlights from each episode on thedailybeast.com. See you next week!